I have called up in all my years of sorcery no god or devil, ominous and gibbous. And the thing was a streaming ooze of charnel The wormy corpses that he dug with his hands from unconsecrated graves. It is verily known by few, there were people, but it's mostly priests and women, it is told, whom he picked up as they fled, and pulled limb from limb as a child might quarter an insect. The Double, the double shadow. shadow, a Clark, Clark, Ashton, Ashton, Clark Ashton Smith podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week, we'll be covering, hopefully with a lack of vocal fry, the Flower Women. We've already had vocal fry, dude. It's a lost Damn it! <laughs> Tim, stop frying. I can't help it. <laughs> Phil, you do it a little bit, too. I, I happily the, reported the on Twitter. Is, I have no interest in not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tim does it more. So, this is a sequel set in the Zikarf universe featuring Maud Webb. Uh, it was originally published in the May 1935 issue of Weird Tales, the same issue that featured part one of Beyond the Black River, featuring a little man named Conan the Barbarian, The White Ape by Lovecraft, which I don't think I've ever read. The White Ape? Oh god, it's awful. It's awful. It, it is awful. He discovers that it's... his ancestor was married to a white ape princess in, yeah. in Africa, and it's basically, it's like Lovecraft's reaction to evolutionary biology. That um, yeah, sounds... It's pretty stupid. <laughs> Horrible. He sets himself on fire and burns himself to death. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty Trying to stupid. Screaming out of his house on fire, <laughs> and you're just like, really, dude? Really? Okay. That... I, get, I get that this is like a modern concern of the time, and like the racial overtones that it has to be a white ape and not like a brown ape, and like, uh like would the would their babies have have been not white if they? It's an ape. You're already having sex with like. <laughs> With an ape princess. It has to be a princess, not just any order. Anyway, <laughs> I have thoughts on the The good news the is ape. that this story, The Flower Women, not The White Ape, <laughs> does not no. feature any of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, with that issue of Weird Tales were stories by Darylith Block and Otis Aldebert Klein. I just like to say Aldebert. It's a strong middle name. <laughs> it is a strong middle name. <laughs> um. I don't know, do we have anything else to talk about before we get into this, before we jump in? No. Yeah, just that this is a sequel to uh, Maze of the Enchanter. Yes. That's the pronunciation. With Maltweb again. <laughs> the appropriate pronunciation. <laughs> so, this one was published in the 1935 issue of Weird Tales, but uh, as Phil said, we noted on mm. the previous episode, Maze of the Enchanter, that that one wasn't published in any magazine and anything oh, other than right. the limited edition double shadow book until three years later, which is probably one of the reasons why it was called the maze of mild web when it was public republished or yeah, I guess that's technically a republication besides all the edits. He had already established this mild web character. The first time you're like, who the heck is Mel web? Like, I don't care about yeah, right. it's the maze of the enchanter, which is a useful word that lets you know. Yeah. So Phil's Phil's mysterious we- weird tales reader would have read this story before right. Maze of the Enchanted. Yeah, it's true. That's and you notice this is called the Flower Women, which is an inter- yeah. again an interesting and descriptive thing, mm-hmm. not Maldweb and the Flower Women or something like that. Right. I wish that there was a series of 
Melv Webb and the insert interesting thing here story. Anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and that's not, never mind. That's not a Tiglari's anus joke. That's a legitimate <laughs> desire. Um, See, in there I was totally going with that. <laughs> Awfully, said Melv Webb. I suffer from the frightful curse of omnipotence. In all Zekoff and in the five outer planets of the triple suns, there is no one, there is nothing to dispute my domination. Therefore, my ennui has become intolerable. There is but one remedy for this boredom of mine, he went on. The abnegation, at least for a while, of that all-too-certain power from which it springs. Therefore, I, Maldweb, the ruler of six worlds and all their moons, shall go forth alone, unheralded and without other equipment than that which any fledgling sorcerer might possess. In this way, perhaps I shall recover the lost charm of incertitude, the foregone enchantment of peril. Adventures that I have not foreseen will be mine, and the future will wear the alluring veil of the mysterious. It remains, however, to select the field of my adventurings. <laughs> so he's decided to go back to first level. Yeah. It's... Well, I'm, we were using our thing. He was basically, like, maxed out on his sorcery yeah. last time. And this is also, like, one of those um, rich person decides to go find themselves in a third world country <laughs> right. thing. Yeah. Except that they this have this Mel safety Dweb's, net. This is Mel Dweb's eat, pray, love. <laughs> yeah, this, exactly. That's what I was thinking. But I was, like, rereading it today, I thought, oh, yeah. I know this story. <laughs> yeah. I've read this story. How Mel Dweb gets his groove back. Uh, I like so the the paragraph I took out in the middle of those two Maldweb dialogues takes the time to note that he's speaking to Ethle, although she can't hear him, nor could she ever respond. <laughs> right, because <laughs> she's like, a statue. Because she's a statue. Yeah. Just Maldweb talking to himself, basically, as he like decides yep. to go on this adventure. Um, but it also mentions that she was the last statue that he made. Yes. He kind yeah. of decided it was like, man, eh, this is boring now. Yep. It's also boring now. <laughs> this is either a follow-up from our previous story or it's a presaging yeah. from our last one. Because when we get to it as our fictional Weird Tales reader, we'll say, hmm, Atlee, I remember that name. That was, ah, oh, yeah, that's the one. Let me go get my copy of 1935. Do, 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 yeah, right. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. Yes. This is the woman that he had frozen and talked to. So, Otley doesn't get saved. Is that your 1938 Weird Tales reader voice? I don't I don't even know what that would be. Jay Wilker. Uh, you can't, like, do, you can't do, I know that name. Yeah, <laughs> Hang on. That name rings a bell. Gall dang second. <laughs> well, great. Now that's my hick voice. That's not a nice voice, Ruth. How do you guys think <laughs> about anything anymore now that we know about Mount <laughs> Webb? No, but um, for, I know. <laughs> for real, how do you think a man like Maldweb, or if he even is a man, like how, how does he uh, conquer six worlds? Like where does like how does how does a sorcerer begin to do something like that? I don't know. It would be maybe he. Well, you were saying in the last one, and I, I have to go through it and see if I can catch that. Where the um. Uh, oh wait, actually, here you go. Hold on, uh, Maldweb. 
All right, hang on. Is this in a... Sorry, I'm all over the place right now. So in the story, right in the beginning... um, Oh, yeah. So after he says he wants to select the field of his adventurings, uh, he rises from his curiously carven chair, which I hope are of uh, birds killing snakes, but it doesn't say. Um, Are you team bird? uh, Um... Because they were yes. fighting in the last one, so okay, your team yeah. bird. I, I think, think it might be team that. snake because I want to see them like with their spears, which I don't know yeah. why I've imagined that they've got spears. <laughs> but I in did. their claws, yeah. It was uh, okay. So it says he passed along the halls of his palace, where painted hangings told in vermilion and purple the dread legends of his power. Uh, okay, so, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's so... not it's not like an origin story. It's just it's like images of him, and I don't even know if those are the same hangings. Right, they're described slightly differently. So. Well, um, purple and vermilion, yeah. so purple and red, right? Yeah, and yeah. the other mm-hmm. ones were purple and azure yeah. on a field of blood. Yeah, on yeah. a field of blood. Um, well, I don't know. You just keep accreting power and uh, take <laughs> taking over worlds. Yeah, one world at a time, I guess, is the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he started on one of the moons. True. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a bunch of moons, and at least some of them are inhabited. Yeah. Now, now I'm thinking of um, what's it called? We'll get to it in the uh, Dark Eidolon. That's Sothique, right? Oh, yeah. That's Sothique. That we'll get to, yeah. where you've got this cool thing with the sorcerer just coming out of nothingness. So it would be kind of cool to imagine him coming from one of the slums on this the, yeah, one of these yeah. worlds. Like what's his face? The uh, Colossus guy. Oh, there yeah. was that sorcerer's name. Oh, uh, Nathair. Uh, Nathair. Nathair. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, one step at a time. Um, so Meldweb goes to his like, and this strikes me as a this room that he enters strikes me as a a room that is now very I don't know about very common, but you definitely like it was definitely oh, yeah. in John Carter, right? It's like the astronomy room. Yeah. Yep, and it's in the Star Wars prequels too. It's like the room where you have a three D representation of the universe mm-hmm. um, that you can manipulate. Yeah. and yeah, Clark Ashton Smith invented it. <laughs> Mark it, nineteen thirty eight. Uh, uh. <laughs> so, go ahead, Ruth. Well, I guess it's not this. No, I was thinking about the bridge thing later on. Oh, I have some wrong. cool oh, ideas yeah. about that, but that's the bridge. Yeah. That's here. Yeah. So this room, yeah. it has so so the universe of Zakarf. It's three suns, six planets, mm-hmm. and thirteen moons, all of mm-hmm. which he has control over. So that's that's like let's say nineteen inhabitable bodies that yeah. he calls uh, <laughs> he calls his own, um, and they have great. Ridiculous names: Mornoth, Zakarf, Ulasa, Nauf, Rule, and finally Voltap. Voltap is like the the Pluto, if you consider Pluto a planet, uh, which it's not. Well, I thought I thought that was I thought that question was re-raised recently that it might regain its its planet. It, planet it was. It's yeah. not. I can tell you cool things about the belt, but I won't. Okay. It, but seriously, people, it's okay. Pluto's not a planet, and that's okay because science moves and grows, and we don't need to be attached to the science of our forefathers. We really, really don't because they were so wrong about so many things, and one of them was Pluto, and it's really okay. Fortunately okay, for us, this story is not about Pluto at all. Uh, no. Nope, only about, six planets. <laughs> it's about, about – it's it's Voltalp. Volt, volt, Voltap. Like Voltap. No. Voltalp. Voltalp. Wait, Really? Is it really yeah. vo- vo- Votelp? 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 That's like vo- something yeah. I vote. No, it's Voltap. <laughs> well, no, the first one is Voltap, and then. Oh, really? In my copy, it's Votelp. It's to, he's in, in this which one. Is the, he spells which it multiple is the ways. Shade. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, it's. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, he spells it multiple ways. Yeah, that's so weird. Huh. That might yeah. that might just be it. Might be a it might be a quirk of the. Um, I don't know if you guys all read Edition. it on Eldritch Dark. It might be a quirk of the way that it was transferred to Eldritch Dark. Um, uh, yeah. I read it on the Nightshade Edition. Um, right. And did it change in that different spellings or no? I don't think I don't think so. It doesn't seem to have. No, it's all pretty consistent. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to assume hmm. that I'm going to assume that Votlap, Votlap is the proper spelling, then not Voltap or Votelp or whatever. However, however it was. <laughs> It's a V word, yeah, okay? It, it's a V word, yeah. I mean, Voltap is easier to say. Voltap ends, is easier to say. It ends with a P. Yes. Starts with a V. There's a T in there, an L, and a P, and some vowels. To glory's anus. So let's talk about... Um... <laughs> yeah, so he's looking for a place to go to have his first level adventure, right? Yeah. So he's picking through all the planets that he rules over to see, which is a great place to go that won't bore him. So he finds Votelp, and he he kind of brings it up and like magnifies its surface and kind of examines it so he can see what he's it's in. Total future three D touchscreen yeah. situation. Yeah, totally. It's a great app. It's a great app. Great sorcerer. And I just when yeah. I pictured him earlier, like vision after vision rose before him. I picture him like pulling up a planet and going like swiping left. Wait, yeah, none of us yeah. are, wait, are any exactly. of you guys on Tinder? Like, I'm not on Tinder. We're all married. No. Yeah, I don't no. know. Which way do you swipe? Uh, oh, right. Oh, yeah. So, like, so Mornoth comes up and he swipes. Ulasa comes up and he swipes. But it, but it's even weirder yeah. than that, though, because there are specific things he sees. It's not just the world, right? It's like, yeah. he sees wars mm-hmm. of gigantic wyverns, the matings of half-vegetable monsters, the queer algae that had filled a certain ocean with their living and moving labyrinths. The remarkable spawn of certain polar glaciers. He goes by all of that, by the way. He's like, gigantic <laughs> He's like no. Yawn. <laughs> Meetings of, I don't want to go see half vegetable monsters have sex. Boring. The queer algae? Nah. Um, so yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty amazing, though. Like, it, and it's very, like, yeah. video game or RPG adventure, right? It's like, pick, yeah, pick which right. one of these, these threads you want to follow. So what catches his fancy? Well, we don't know well, yet, right? He sees something, and then he's like, oh, that, that seems interesting, right? Something quaint he doesn't and actually... curious. <laughs> like... yeah. just, it's not quaint and curious, but we learn later what he sees. Although, it, I was at first a little more startled, but because of the Quadcast and Smith, way to use a, a word, which is <laughs> there was a reason that we didn't have to put a warning on this podcast, and that's because Clark Ashton Smith misuses oh, right. a word. But I am, well, he yeah. uses it in... In an old-fashioned and annoying way. So I'm going to be up front here. Yeah. Hey, there's the word rape in here, and it's used for the, the snatching away of a woman and has absolutely no sexual connotations, which is why there's no warning right. on the podcast. There you go. That's your pre-warning because it is kind of jarring when you're reading it. You're like, Murr? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we pull up to the light drawbridge, which is like in his palace labyrinth area that only he can cross and understand. And he comes out and he, like, steps into this cloud thing. And so we've learned now how he gets around. He doesn't ever go down to socialize with the peasants, but he also doesn't have a spaceship. What he has is kind of awesome. It's a bend in space and time. Well, probably not time. Probably just space. I like to think of it as bending time, but we're not not who here. Well, yeah, he mentions that it feels like walking through gulfs of time, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like it takes any time to get there. 
but it's like he's bent space in such a way that he can access these different points in space and I don't know if it's everywhere or just certain types of places and he can line up his drawbridge with some sort of controls and walk from one end of his bridge to the other end of that bridge and it ends up being wherever he's going but you could also totally yeah, fall off it so it's like scary bends in space it's not just cool yeah. bends in space it's like terrifying bends in space but he's fine with it he's cool he's like you could fall off and get lost in time and space but no big deal he does double check his calculation though <laughs> he does and yeah. it's a silver yes. bridge which is kind of cool yeah and also kind of like uh kind of marvel comics right it's like that thor thing it's like yeah. the rainbow bridge. uh-huh what's it called ruth Bifrost. Oh, the Bifrost. Oh, the Bifrost. Yeah, sorry. I was yeah. like, sorry, you are questioning my Thor knowledge. Asking me questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes through it, and then he decides, he, like, there's this whole bit where, like, they he raises the question of whether he should close the gate behind him, but he's like, oh, yeah. no, oh, right. nobody, yeah. could, nobody could ever make it back no. across that bridge except me. Um, and then even if they did, his iron servitors are going to cut him to pieces anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea that um, from our last story. Oh God! Now I'm just thinking about his butt, and I can't remember his name. Tiglari. <laughs> Tiglari. Tiglari. So that to, I'm thinking that Tiglari from our last story, it would be kind of a cool moment if he like, crept across the bridge in Maldweb's absence. Oh right! Like that's some a kind of cool tie. That would be cool. Do, where somebody crosses it, and they run into Tiglari before they even get to the Iron Servitors, and Tiglari like tells them to run or something. Yeah, it's this whole story. All of the Mauled Web stuff is is great seeds for other stories. As he went down the knoll into the valley, the enchanter heard an eerie plaintive singing like that of sirens who bewail some irremediable misfortune. The singing came from a sisterhood of unusual creatures, half woman and half flower, that grew on the valley floor beside a sleepy stream of purple water. There were several scores of these lovely and charming monsters, whose feminine bodies of pink and pearl reclined amid the vermilion velvet couches of billowing petals to which they were attached. These petals were borne on mattress-like leaves and heavy, short, well-rooted stems. The flowers were disposed in irregular circles, clustering thickly toward the center and with open intervals in the outer rows. Maldweb approached the flower women with a certain caution, for he knew that they were vampires. That's so cool. Repeat the sentence, if you would. Maldweb approached the flower women with a certain caution, for he knew that they were vampires. It's amazing. That's great. And it, even more amazing, or on par with that amazingness, is that he's like, I know they're vampires, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> I just don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, right. I just don't want to be their food. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the circumstances that he found quaint. There are these va- these these vampire flowers. Yeah. Um, and they have a problem. <laughs> yeah. They're how many are there? I don't There's remember. Scores. Are there? I think of it as being like five or so. But oh, right. I, I, yeah. I feel like there's a but smaller been, group. Yeah, and they've been. Uh, in his visions, he's seen uh, they they're being attacked by right. these um, 
Pterodactyl wizard. <laughs> Pterodactyl wizards. Yeah. Also who one of lives, the best sentences in this. Yeah. Who live in a red castle on a cliff and they swoop down and there's seven of them. There's only yes. seven of them and they're called the Ipsazar. Which is going to be hard for me to say. Yeah. The Ispazar. Yeah. They're called the Ispazar. And they descend from their red castle and steal these flower women and bring them back for whatever arcane knowledge that who knows Maldweb knows Maldweb has an idea <laughs> but remember he's he oh and he um so he's only what is he he's only brought it's, with him it's like two phylacteries and a power word. yeah <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> yeah he knows like yeah his his <laughs> his wit wait there's a really cool because he kind of runs through it, it. When they were talking it's about like his wit hold on yeah, his it's his wit, his inborn hacking. knowledge, and two phylacteries, which were like amulets. Yeah. And we, and we yeah. do get to learn later what they do. They're not just like safety phylacteries, which is, yeah, no. which is good, because otherwise I'd be bored. And there are phylacteries he had when he was a baby wizard. Yeah. So he's not really cheating. They're not like <laughs> yeah, cool, right. awesome, high-level phylacteries. He probably had to dig them up off a shelf. Unless... So one of the things about this whole divesting himself thing... I'm starting to imagine him as like being very much the kind of wizard that you see in paintings where, well, maybe not paintings, but drawings yeah. where he's got like all of these magic sigil sigils on him and he's wearing like multiple phylacteries and rings of magic and he's got like magic bracelets. Oh, yeah. Just all kinds of ma- his, multiple uh, wands. Yeah. And he, they, they, he, they talk about it in the story how he, he has to, he takes all of his stuff off except for the two. Okay, here's what happens. He finds them. He knows that they're vampires, but he he can't quite help because of their singing. He knows that their singing is magical and siren-like, <laughs> but he still can't stop him quite stop himself from getting in there and one of them grabs him super quick and takes him to her little couch and is going to feed on uh-huh. him, but he uses the uh the elemental knowledge of sorcery and speaks her true name and then she can't hurt him and they become friends. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of trippy and I like that they're, so they're, they're yeah. half vampires. They're basically like lamias in some ways and they get called that yeah, later. Right. They've got yeah. these flower bottoms, but because they're half, half, they're also like mermaids. So they have the siren song. But they're, mm-hmm. and I guess kind of like mermaids a bit, they're kind of stuck where they are because they have roots. Yeah, Well, right, they're yeah. pretty much stuck where they are. Yeah. Unless you're a giant pterodactyl wizard. Yeah, and that's when he finds out about the the pterodactyl wizards that descend in the morning and take them. And he decides he's going to help them. Uh, so this is where it yeah, says, just- this is where Smith lets us know what he's got on him. Now, through an errant whim in his search for adventure, he had decided to pit himself again against the Ispazars, employing no other weapons of sorcery than his own wit and will, his remembered learning, his clairvoyance, and the two simple amulets that he wore on his person. <laughs> That's all he's got. That's what he's going to battle with. <laughs> it's awesome. Which- and I like that he's he's been he's just ignoring them because he had, had not thought it worth to interfere with their evolution. But you know, now he's yes. going to take. Oh, care. the uh, yeah, the lizard men. Yeah, because he'd seen them rising to power, and he 
hadn't done anything about it until now. Um, he mentioned something in the story about their singing, how they sound like the Lorelei. Yeah. And I didn't mm-hmm. look it up. What oh, are I did. the Lorelei? What are they? Uh, there's a particular rock that they come out on, and they are German Rhine vampires. Ah, Not oh. vampires. Sorry, mermaids. Ooh. German Rhine vermaids. Oh, right. Huh. Right. Nice. But still with the whole Good. feeding off of men. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then uh, Maldueb uses his clairvoyance, his second sight, to figure out which one of the uh, flower women is going to be the target for the pterodactyl men. And then what does he do? <laughs> well. Well. <laughs> Phil, you described No, this. no, please. Please go ahead. Please. He, he uses his second sight to determine which one of them is going to be the victim. Mm-hmm. And then he s- reduces himself to the size and propor- the proportions of a pygmy, which I think really he means even smaller. But yeah, he's just definitely. using that as, as a phrase. And then he sleeps in her like a bee in a flower. Aww. Like Ant-Man. He's like Ant-Man crawling into yeah. places that should not be mentioned. Which Super, tiny Super tiny Maldweb. Super tiny Maldweb. With only his yes. wit and his wisdom. <laughs> and his and, amulets. And one of the amulets totally lets him become small. So, yep. <laughs> but you can't guess what the other amulet does. So it's self... Oh, so the, the amulet does it. It's not like, it's not like yeah. a spell. Yeah. Or it's, it's the amulet. Does no. It. We, yeah. I don't think that he mentions here that it's... No, he uses, yes, one of the amulets more by virtue of his manipulation reduces him to the portions of the but pygmy. This is, and then... this is, don't you think that Maldweb is kind of cheating? Because it's not like... Yeah, of it's, course. It's not like... Okay. It's not, it's not like he... <laughs> it's not like he picked... Because this to me feels like he saw the situation. He knew what he was up against. He already had this plan when he came down yeah. to the thing. So, so it's not like he's, you know, he's not really te- he made it, testing himself. He made it just hard enough <laughs> that it would be a challenge, but he brought all of the right things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And had a plan that was like, you know, pretty, pretty rock solid. Yeah. Although I guess yeah. he, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't have any knowledge of what he's going to find inside the Ipsars. No. Palace. Yeah. Um, right. Or it doesn't seem like it. Cause, yeah. Oh well, let's get to okay. that. Um. So they sleep. He sleeps inside the flower. The dawn awakened him, glowing as if through lucent curtains of ruby and purple. He heard the flower women murmuring sleepily to one another as they opened their blossoms to the early suns. Their murmurs, however, soon changed into shrill cries of agitation and fear. And above the cries, there came a vibrant drumming as of great dragon wings. He peered from his hiding place and saw in the double dawn the descent of the Ispazars, from whose webbed vans a darkness fell on the valley. Nearer they drew, and he saw their cold and scarlet eyes beneath scaly brows, their long, undulant bodies, their lizard limbs and prehensile claws, and he heard the deep, articulate hissing of their voices. Then the petals closed about him blindly, shuddering and constrictive as the flower woman recoiled from the swooping monsters. All was confusion, terror, tumult. But he knew, from his observation of the previous rape, that two of the Ispazars had encircled the flower's stem with their python-like tails and were pulling it from the ground as a human sorcerer might pull a mandrake plant. He felt the convulsive agony of the disrooted blossom. He heard the lamentable shrieking of her sisters. Then there came a heavier beating of the drum-loud wings and the feeling of giddy ascension and flight. 
so Tiny Meld Web gets to fly in the arms of a pterodactyl yeah. wizard. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons that I had mentioned it uh, before the yeah. word, since it was going to be in one of our readings. And Although it is interesting that the women are torn like violently from the ground because they're rooted yeah. in. And I have to wonder if they're connected to each other in any way. Oh, because, maybe. So what it appears is that these flower women are all growing alongside a stream in this vast number of them. And I don't know how they grow, but it, it just struck me as like vine-like things. So either something that has underground running roots or above ground running roots, like ivy or something like that. Um, so that's that's my mental image of it. So I wonder if not only having one plucked out of the ground, but she's kind of torn out of the, the column of her sisters. That's yeah. just my mental image, but I, I kind of like it. Smith loves plant people, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that um, alien plants. Yeah, yeah, he's into it. <laughs> Can you blame him? <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess not. Um, so so Maldweb gets nabbed. Gets nabbed. And taken to the castle of the Ipsazar. But they don't know he's there. Dun, dun, dun. No. It's all snuggled up in her feathers, um, her flowers, her petals, that one. He's all snuggled in there, tight. <laughs> and then, like, Holding they, on for dear life. They land, and there's this sad moment when Maldweb's like, Ooh. yeah, and then the flower died. <laughs> like, I couldn't, yeah. couldn't save her. They, She's dead. They just <laughs> drop her. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they, they need flower flower woman ingredient like they clearly don't want anything with her which is i guess better than some alternatives but yeah right they don't need her living she's just need her ingredients. in yeah what, what's that called a um component Not yeah a, component. a spell component a regent yeah reagent uh, reagent yeah yeah all of those words uh yeah so he they he's there in their castle they they drop her and leave, I guess, because they're because they're not in there once he comes out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, they they drop her and then they um, oh dear, it's the, I don't remember if they yeah. like walk out. He or hears if they the just hissing, drop her and fly the hissing away. voices as and then he feels the pedal relax around him and yeah, they just kind of leave. They just they they, yeah. they withdraw. Um, and he, he hears them their tails slithering as they go, which is kind of interesting <laughs> visually. Yeah. These I are think, weird creatures. Like, it's hard to picture in my head what they are because there's so many different, like, lizard-like things. So I used to read the comic back when I read comics in a paper, which just makes me feel ashamed to say now. <laughs> what? Um, God, paper comics. Like, comics in newspapers are so bad. And they're oh, so right. elitist, yeah. and they're basically killing themselves. Anyway, whole thing. Stephen Pastis actually seems like a halfway decent guy, and his comic, Pearls Before Swine, has these alligators in them. These, these horrifying alligators. The, well, some of them are very dumb. And I'm just imagining them with, these. like, pterodactyl wings. Yeah. So I could I could definitely shop or perhaps paint, because paint is an awesome way to do something when you're not any good at Photoshop. <laughs> and you just, you just want it to look like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, do that, Ruth, and we can do put it on the pterodactyl site. pterodactyl wings. And that's what I'm yeah. picturing them, and I really can't take them seriously right now. It's, it's bad. Well, I mean... Neither can Mild Web. So he's uh, he he crawls out of the Flower Woman, and then he's in uh, like a an alchemy lab, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's all of this stuff, and he recognizes all of this alchemy stuff because he's Mild Web. And then he uses his second amulet, 
He says, Apache chief, and he turns big. <laughs> and this, this is the moment where Maldob gets what he wants. It's noted here that for the first time in many years, he feels the thrill of peril and expectation. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, I guess he's in legitimate danger. I'll give it to him. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. But then he sees the, uh, the, the main thing that he, um, that he notices in here is a big cauldron and it's filled with some kind of brew and he knows what the brew is, but it isn't. Smith doesn't ever say like it no. kind of grosses Maldweb out what the plan for this brew is, but he never tells us what it is. What do you think it is? <laughs> what can gross Maldweb out? I don't know. Like, is it something for their development? Cause they're trying to become Maybe. more. I mean, I think, I think we learned in the last story that like, uh, human interaction and conversation grosses them out. So maybe <laughs> it's going to turn them into like conversationalists or something. <laughs> yeah. It's going to give them the gift of speech. And he's like, we have enough of that in this universe. <laughs> we'll have no more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then he doses their brew with stuff. He pulls off he the just shelves, starts throwing right? other yeah. stuff in. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause he knows what to do. Cause he's mouth web. <laughs> Yeah, he like sorts through all their stuff. He's like, not this, yeah. not this. Yeah. I have Newt, tongue of dog. Totally, totally, totally. This pinch of this little no, essence of flower woman. But no, she's just <laughs> she's just like yeah. lying there, waiting to be dissected or like like taken and put in a mortar and pestle situation. Like a giant thing comes down and goes boom, boom, boom until she goes into jelly. I, I I spent some time wondering what she could be. Like, do they just want her petals? Do they want her top? Yeah. She's just like folded up and dead. Um, and that's when the Ispazars come back, and they come back armed in kind of an awesome way. Yeah, the two of them have sinuous bladed knives, and the others were equipped with enormous adamantine pestles, pestles, pestles <laughs> yeah. to uh-huh. be employed in the bruising of the flesh of the floor vampire. So they come back yeah, to so like, they are going to pound. Yeah, like dissector, I guess first. That's the blades, and then like grind her into oh, yeah. into uh-huh. dust or whatever it is to put into their. Um, their brew. So what happens? What happens? Wizard fight is what happens. <laughs> so yeah, he's already made himself big by this point, did we say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... yeah so he they attack. They rush at him. Uh, there's four of them, right? And two like slither across the floor at him and two leap up at him with their wings and he just utters a word of power and basically makes a force field. <laughs> Which is pretty and useful just, word of power if you're yeah. just bringing the one. Yeah, listen, I want an adventure, but not that adventurous, okay? <laughs> but, but I, I want to actually my get force hurt. Bubble. Yeah, this is a safari, not an actual big game, hun. <laughs> this is a safari, not an actual big game. Now, perceiving that the man before them was a sorcerer, the reptile magicians began to make use of their own abhuman sorcery. They called from the air great bolts of livid flame, python-shapen, which leaped and writhed incessantly, warring with the sphere of protective power, driving it back as a shield is driven by press of numbers in battle, but never breaking it down entirely. Also, they chanted evil, sibilant runes that were designed to charm away the magician's memory and cause him to forget his magic. Sore was the travail of Maldweb as he fought the serpent fires and runes, and blood mingled with the sweat of his brow from that endeavor. But still, as the bolt struck nearer and the singing loudened, he kept uttering the unforgotten word, and the word still protected him. Now, above the snaky chanting, he heard the deep hiss of the cauldron, 
boiling more turbulently than before because of those matters which he had added to its contents. And he saw between the ever-writhing bolts that a more voluminous vapor, dark as the steam of a primal fen, was mounting from the cauldron and spreading throughout the alchemy. That's a pretty cool wizard battle. It is battle. a hot wizard battle. Yeah. <laughs> Snaky chanting. Yeah, I really like that they, they use Snaky their... Snaky chanting? Yeah, they're, they're, they're attacking from below and above, and they, they realize, yeah. oh, we should we should totally use our powers on this guy. Because first, it just seems like they're going to they're gonna just fight him. And then like, yeah. Oh, sorcery battle. They keep trying to make him forget the word, but he keeps repeating it. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Um, and then this, then his like bomb goes off, right? He's kind of like, yeah. he's, turned, <laughs> yep. he's turned their cauldron into a bomb against them. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. it's like a devolution bomb basically. Yeah. Right? That's totally yeah. it. Oh wait, there was one thing that I wanted to mention just because it was a cool, uh, little vision note when the snake men come in and they see him, their necks and torsos swell like the hoods of cobras. Oh yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They clearly yeah. have some good evolutionary roots going on. There. Yeah. So yeah, but not anymore because he devolves them with yeah. his his smoke. Uh, except for not all of them. Yeah, he saves so, one. Yeah, he so they, it, yeah, they like shrivel a, down. It's like a Tiglari esque moment almost, right? He's like, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, uh huh. Eh, we'll leave one of you. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then what does he do? I mean, he saves him and he teaches him how to be kind, right? And how to be a good wizard, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, that's exactly how it's an after school special. <laughs> No, he gets on him and rides him. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he just, makes it's like him... he realized he needed to get – he needed like an exit plan. Yeah. He's oh, like, you oh know what? Gosh. I need a mount. You. <laughs> it doesn't really say how he does that though because I, mean, I guess Maldwell, he might be – he might be a, a physically impressive specimen, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Well, he just turned all their friends into what's it, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he can't go back off the cliff because – um, his his ride up here was just being carried by the flower woman, yeah, and it's still right. like surprisingly hard to get back off of this. <laughs> so uh, it also notes it here that that Meldweb's like, yeah, eh, I did okay. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from a practical standpoint, he done well. For him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like buffing his nails on his on the his cloak. And also, like he, he notes, like it's yeah, I had a little adventure, and I rid the universe of a future menace. So you know, yeah, right. Works out great. He just made his own life easier. Yeah. Turning to that Isbazar, which he had spared for a necessary purpose, he seated himself firmly astride its back behind the thick jointing of the fans. He spoke a magic word that was understood by the monster, bearing him between its wings. It rose and flew obediently through one of the windows and leaving behind it forever the citadel that was not to be scaled by man nor by any wingless creature, it carried the magician over the red horns of the Sable Mountains, across the valley where dwelt the sisterhood of floral vampires, and descended on the mossy knoll at the end of that silver drawbridge whereby he had entered Votalp. There Maldweb dismounted, and followed by the crawling Ispazar, he began his return journey to Zikarf through the hueless cloud above the multidimensional deeps. Midway in that peculiar transit, he heard a sharp, sudden clapping of wings. It ceased with remarkable abruptness and was not repeated. Looking back, he found that the Ispazar had fallen from the bridge and was vanishing brokenly amid irreconcilable angles in the gulf from which there was no return. I already thought this was like a really cool bridge with like a 
bendings of space, but irreconcilable yeah. angles. Oh, yeah. Love it. If I were, I forgot that he he utters another magic word so that he can mount the wizard, the lizard. I like, I would like the story better if he actually like physically had to like, like <laughs> right. rein him in and like get on yeah. and ride it. I think it would be a, and it would be fun because he's like strikes me as kind of a bookish wizard. So like to have him do a physical feat at the end of the story would be yeah. Cool. Um, but I'll take it. I mean, I'll take I'll take the magic word riding the the lizard man. It's fun. It's a fun story. There's an interesting parallel too. I think in that he like. In both these stories, Maldweb defeats his foes, if you can call Tiglari a foe, I guess you can, um, by kind of, like, reducing them to, like, a a, a lesser Bastille state. state. Yeah, exactly. Like, turning uh, the lizard men into, back into lizards and turning Tiglari yeah. into a beast. Um, I guess that's, maybe that's how you conquer a universe. You uh, make your enemies into their, like, like devolve them. <laughs> It does make you wonder what's on these other planets and how he takes care of those. Well, we know that there are, uh, what was it, half-plant, the spawning mm-hmm. of half-plant monsters. Were yeah. And, Wyvern uh, battles. <laughs> uh, the spawn of certain polar glaciers. Mm-hmm. So does he, maybe, theory, he only allows humans on his home world where he lets them, you know, have this oh, maybe, yeah. wonderful variety. And he doesn't really listen to them, but he rules over them. Everywhere else, he's like, I just have all these cool experimental worlds going on. I'm just gonna, you know, this is the serpent people world, and this is the. He's kind of like, I mean, he's kind of like a like a bastard god, right? Like a like a dick god who's just like, yeah, definitely. You will not evolve beyond this moment, you lizard people, and uh, it just sort of screws with people in a in a dickish kind of way, really jerky way, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maldweb, um, the jerk god, the jerk god. That's it. Um, and that's it for Zakarf. I mean, it's like we just got yeah. here and now we're gone. I know. Oh, it's a shame. It kind of is. But I guess, I mean, Maldweb, what else is he going to, he's just going to, it seems like he just kind of sticks to the same themes over in the, and over in the, again. In the notes yeah. in the back of the, um, Nightshade Editions, the editor of it talks about, um, how he, he feels or somebody, somebody felt like these two stories were like pointed the direction to a series of stories that Clark Ashton Smith never wrote that were instead of location focused, they were actually hero focused. So like they were like the continuing adventures of Mel Dweb, um, which I just think is such a fun idea. And it just makes me sad that there aren't any more, even if they were kind of the same, you know? Yeah. It's great. This, this world was great. These two stories were so much fun to read and explore. Like, dude with infinite power gets bored, has adventure. Yeah. yeah. That's a really fun story. Especially, well, although he totally kind of cheats by knowing what he's going to do ahead of time. <laughs> he doesn't have a random adventure. But like, he picks like the adventure. imagine he's a like, story where he actually cool. faces real adversity. That would be amazing. Like, how does it... Yeah, that maybe be... that's what he does next. Yeah. It's like, nope, this is too boring, guys. <laughs> let's let's try something else. Maybe try something else. Also, I feel, I feel kind of like lonely for Maldweb. I mean, he doesn't seem yeah. lonely, but his existence is pretty... I mean, that's a pretty lonely way to live your life, right? Yeah, but he's happy with it. Is he? That's how he he's wants... Bored. Yeah. He's bored. He with thinks it. he's happy. He yeah, but... Maldweb needs romantic have... comedy, is what he needs. But he doesn't <laughs> But he doesn't want anybody who can actually talk back to him. True. <laughs> that's tedious. <laughs> he doesn't think, until Tim, his new secretary arrives. You're empathizing with Maldweb <laughs> is disturbing. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. I get it. <laughs> no more One of those arguments. weeks at the office. <laughs> you need some servitors. Servitors. <laughs> Especially if they have sickle hands. Um. Yeah, Mel Webb, Zakarf. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good, yeah, good stuff. He's not technically a necromancer, but I feel like this is my first Clark Ashton Smith Wizard of 2015. He's a pretty good, yeah. He gets uh-huh. the year off on a good, a good start. Yeah, it's. A, I really, I'm really glad that we ended up doing these two before we went into anything else. And the speaking of that, wizards, what will we though. be doing next? I don't know if we've decided. Um. It's um That is actually a good question. Zothique, right? Are you gonna do Zothique or do you wanna Yeah, we might I as well we, should... we might as well do it. I think let's I think do we, Zothique. We, sh- we should probably do it before we, we fail to do it. <laughs> yeah, let's, what are you saying, let's Ruth? stop teasing this thing. <laughs> I'm just saying let's 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 do the Listen, additional guys. stories as an add on. Yeah, we we've had our fun. Let's end this thing. Fine. Let's get it on. Zothique is next. <laughs> we're not yep. gonna we're not gonna end. We're just we'll do we'll do them but we won't be as pressured and it'll be great. Right. Yep. I feel like Zothik is just, it's just pressure in my mind, Zothik, because it's so... Well, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, and there's... Are you pressured by being awesome, Phil? Does awesomeness make you Yeah, it makes me intimidated. I want to do justice to the stories, you know? Oh, be that way. Well, there's 17 (laughs) stories, so... In Zothik? That is a lot of stories, yeah. Is there? Yeah, Yeah, it's one of the biggest ones. Holy cow. Yeah. It's one poem and 16 tales. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wait, what is what does Mel Webb say when something goes wrong? Oh, balls! Balls! <laughs> oh, balls! Oh, yeah. Balls. Wizard balls. Oh, wizard balls. <laughs> <laughs> if he brought the wrong word of power or the wrong amulet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh balls! Balls. <laughs> He's just cracking me up now. We should probably end the show before I, uh, okay. before I lose it. And that was that was the tiny little Zakarf cycle with uh, Maldweb and his little cast of characters. And join us next time for something happening in Zothique. Yeah. Ooh. Dying Earth. Zothique, finally. Dying Earth. Thank you and good night. I did it. I ended it.